Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are here talking about episode six of Survivor 44, Survivor with a capital S. Before we get started, Evan, how do you pronounce bag? Well, I did not know there were multiple (laughs) ways in which it can be pronounced, and I still remain confused, but... I say the the popularized version of the thing that you carry to the grocery store. Everyone knows, a lot of people don't actually. I, it's a New York City thing. Anyway, um, bag. 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 Yeah, this is interesting because I've been called out for my pronunciation of bag before. And I think I say it like Carolyn. Say like it? Like I'm more of a bag than a Bag. 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 I feel like dignifying this conversation is like <laughs> not the road I want to go down per se. I don't think this is one of those pronunciation things that has enough contrast to be worth meditating on. I don't mean you and I, but like this isn't like one of those yeah. like, like there are ones, I mean, obviously the most obvious one is sorry, the Canadian versus the American. Like that to me. There's I, a difference. Are you kidding me? I seriously don't know what you're talking about. S- say Sorry. Sorry. No, you do sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I do do sorry. Yeah, and we do sorry. <laughs> sorry? Sorry. Like a sorry, like like, the, do, like the piece yes, of fabric. Yes, yes we do sorry. that, and you do sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So that, okay. That well, one I've hear- never heard. Oh, well, that's like whenever I used to listen to Deja the View, that was like one of my biggest like <gasps> learning curves was because you guys, because Kevin's a big sorry. Oh. But you do it too. We've talked about this on the podcast. I know. I, we've talked about sorry, but we haven't talked about the pronunciation, have we? Well, yeah. I mean, oh. I, I thought that's what we were getting at. But yeah, so I, I just don't think there wasn't enough of a difference in the bag conversation, like in the how they were saying it for me to justify it going into the edit. Mm. Oh, interesting. I don't so know. It's come up for me before with specifically bag. bagel. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Which is that the I same. Heard. It's the same problem. Yes, but aren't these really just like different regions of different places say words mm-hmm. differently? Like, are we really still doing the like? <laughs> can you believe that? Because for me, sorry is a different one because it's distinctly Canadian v American. Mm. But like things like bagel or bagel to me is just like, oh, are you like what part of the U.S. Right. are you from? What do you say for bagel? I say bagel. Mm. But like my grandmother, like I'm from Pittsburgh and my grandmother would say whooshing machine. What? Yeah. Or no, sorry, whooshing machine with an R. Oh, like BB in Survivor Borneo. Yeah, that's BB and my grandmother. He wanted to wash the clothes. Yes, that would be spiritual contemporaries with my grandmother. But um, yeah, again, like I didn't think, like if you're going to include random bites like that, which I realize are like done because they're like character moments, um, I did it. It wasn't. It didn't like rise to the occasion for me. Oh, but I'm glad we. uh, Yeah, listen, I'm glad we spent a few minutes going deep on it. Now (laughs) I I am glad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Well, here's another hot topic for you. Mm-hmm. Has Survivor cast any tops? Okay, I can list like five off the like immediate top this, of my head. For, for those not following us at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram, or if you're not following Hi on Twitter, Hi had a really hot take saying that Survivor has never cast a top. To which Jonathan Hurley replied, side eye emoji. No, those aren't the side eyes. Those are the uh, bulging <laughs> eyes. Well, it's same difference, no? No, there's a side eye face. Bagel, no, bagel. No, no. no I, see, I think there's so much nuance here. No. I think side eye is like judgment. I think the bulging eyes is like uh, putting my hand up. So I read it the same way. I I'm see. just calling it side eye. Okay. I see what I see. There's like a shade to side eye. Yeah, that's not what I meant. But yeah, it's bulging guys. <laughs> You're right on this one. Are there any bulging tops that have been on Survivor? Um, okay, well, I guess the most obvious uh, response to this would be the fact that we've had a few instances of gay couples. Mm-hmm. Now, there are worlds in which you get couples of the same. Uh, position, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone, anal sex is not always the desired goal for all sexual situations, but I would le- I would be led to believe that Josh or Reed of Survivor San Juan del Sur, one of the two of them are tops. I'm going to go with Reed. I do think this is a potentially problematic conversation totally. in that I don't like the ascription that And again, I'm not saying I'm doing this or you're doing this, but I think there's the tendency in conversations about who's the top, who's the bottom, to ascribe the more masculine presenting Mm. person as the top. So I do want to note that these instances are specific to who I think the top is, and I'm not denoting it based off of the presentation of masculinity. Yes, but I do believe. But I do believe that Reed, and again... (laughs) It's like, who am I to say? But I do believe Reed is a top. Uh, I do believe Brett um, of Survivor Game Changers, uh, Brett with one T, mm-hmm. is very much a top. I believe that, who was Colton Cumbie's boyfriend? Oh, yeah. One of our dearly departed Survivor contestants. Yeah, I believe It's not he... coming to me right now. Yeah, um, I believe he very well okay. could have been a top. I believe Hatch has verse energy, so I think you could characterize that as perhaps verse top. And then we have the Spencer-Todd relationship mm-hmm. of the days of yore. Uh, ostensibly, one of the two of them would have would have been the top. And I have to believe Todd Herzog is a top. I think that... Really? I don't know. I think that, like, first of all, I would argue that both of our gay Survivor winners are tops. So that sort of, like, kicks High's tweet down the curb because here he is saying, I don't know if we've had a top on Survivor, and I'm going to shout back and say, I think that there have been two top winners on Survivor. <laughs> You want to be on top? Hello. Wow. Okay. Well, enough speculating about the sexual activities of Survivor. Well, wait. But before we move on, <clears throat> did I miss anyone that comes to mind for you as an uh, obvious pick? Okay. I'm trying to think of the gaze of Survivor. I mean, I could see Rafe being a top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like uh, our dearly departed Matthew from earlier this season um, could very well be a top. Yeah. I think Josh could be a top. I feel like we've got a lot of- I think Amanda Kimmel could be a top. I think Amanda Kimmel very well could be a top. I think uh, uh, Scout Cloud Lee could be a top. I think Shambo could be a top. 
I mean, the list goes on and on. It's not to <laughs> not to say this is to me, and this is no disrespect to High, but I feel like this is one of those tweets that's more meant to ignite discourse than it is rooted mm. in any kind of truth. Mm. Mm. It's like a the cut article, right? Right. <laughs> but there is an underlying commentary, and I actually don't even think this was intended in High's tweet. And I think that that is to say that like Survivor tends to, and I've gotten at this in previous weeks of this podcast where Survivor tends to cast a certain type of gay mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually don't think that is correlated entirely to like sexual positioning. And again, I don't think that's what High meant with this tweet, but I do think that there is a rich conversation to be had that is subtextual to the tweet <laughs> but again mm-hmm. that's like that's like giving a meaning to it that i don't think it had anyway to put a button on it i think we've had and i think we've had if i were to like do the over under i would say like 50 percent of our gays have been tops i don't feel like we have like any like disproportionate data here i think jam jam could be a top i think jam jam could very well be a top okay also i'd love it if like romeo were a top we got some surprise tops in the mix i mean donathan i wasn't expecting the bulging eyes, side eyes. So, mm-hmm. you know, people reveal themselves. Would you ever like to have Donathan on Drop Your Buffs? I wouldn't, but I understand that there's a faction of people that would. So, and I also could see there being a world in which, like, you know, sometimes you listen to someone on Talking with T Bird who, like, you don't think it's not someone that's like top of mind for you. And then they totally. come on and you're like floored by them. Yeah. So I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Wow, bold. I wouldn't is the answer. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you're well, I'm saying for you. For me, I would I would I'd be interested in talking to Jonathan. I would be more keen to have Jonathan on a returning player season than I would have him on Drop Your Buffs. Right. Okay. It's like, okay, so we'll have Jonathan on a returning player season and then we'll have him on Drop Your Buffs. I like And that. there's more to talk about and we don't have to rewatch Ghost Island. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that Michael Yerger has become an Andrew Tate stan? Trumping supporter, anti-trans liking tweets. Um, I've not seen that. That does not surprise me. What's fascinating about when these sorts of narratives emerge is when you're a cis white gay guy with a public platform who then espouses problematic beliefs like these. It's so Michael Yoder's not gay. Sorry, when you're a gay baiting, gay cis baiting. white, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, well, what I rather, what I mean then is that he courts a fandom mm-hmm. largely comprised of cis white gay guys, and so when they start to espouse beliefs such as these, I'm actually more looking to like those that follow to say like, what what is the breaking point at which you disassociate with someone that you're a fan of, and yeah. so. I continue to see, so I had not, I did not know this, but I continue to see people that have no idea what that survivor is still on the air, uh, thirst over Michael. And I continue to be like, I don't know, there's this faction of like, I mean, so I don't love the term gay baiting because I think that there's, it's misused quite a bit. I do think Michael Yerger is an example of using it correctly to identify what he does. But it's also like, I just don't understand, like, why would you rather watch someone like, why would you rather pay? I, I, I think he pay, I think his OnlyFans costs more money mm-hmm. than the average OnlyFans are. And he doesn't even show like nudes, let alone sexual activity. It's all very emphasis on the baby. There are so many hotter people out there that are actually queer that actually do the deed. I just don't understand what gives Michael that ability to like 
elevate himself in so many people's minds. Totally. And it's not Survivor. I mean, I get that he's no. like a successful m- model of some kind, internet thirst. Like, do you see Michael Yerger in like ad campaigns for stuff? Does he pop up in the fashion world? No. I think he has in the like in the past, possibly even pre-Survivor. But I feel like he I don't know where he came from really to get the following that he f- has. Well, I'll tell you, he didn't come on OnlyFans. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> well, maybe we should talk about Survivor. Uh, <laughs> because we don't have a merge, but we do have everybody living on one beach, which is, I think, now generally considered to be called mergatory, as coined by Tiffany Seeley in Survivor 41. Uh, that is her great legacy, is coining that term. So we've got our mergatory going on any sort of like high level thoughts on what is going on with this big group of people? Any concerns? Um, anything looking positive moving forward for you that you're keeping an eye on? I think the momentum has been carried over. Like I'm still pretty high on 44. I don't think this was like the most exciting episode, but I think a lot of, you know, there were a lot of smaller moments that I think are exciting to talk about. And I still think overall this is like a above average season of Survivor. One thing top level, though, that I did notice was, do you remember how several weeks ago we talked about the fact that we thought that they were planning the Matthew medevac by showing us those Mm -hmm. moments of his arm hurting? I've had several other moments that I, and very well might lead to something, but what I'm getting at here is you have that moment last week when Carolyn, oh God... And Danny and Brandon. Carolyn and Danny and Brandon are all together on that reward. And Danny and Brandon form this bro alliance. And so then when you get to the moment on the beach, not only do you not get a shot of them coming together, let alone a shot of them seeing Carolyn, who we had reason to believe that they assumed she was going home. She survives. Not only that, but shouldn't they be really happy to see Josh, who it seemed like they were going to bring into the fold as their third, because they really wanted this like beefy guy alliance. And I think Josh, for all intents and purposes, fell into that category. So just like the lack of like, we had this huge thing set up last week that was potentially going to like shape the way the merge was going to like play out. And then we not only didn't see that, but we didn't have it acknowledged at all. And then like you had Danny who voted with the majority in getting Josh out this episode when it I, I, I was led to believe that Danny was going to be working with the guys. Um, and if that's not the case, you at least I there had to have been a moment you have to imagine on the beach where he like game that out with them on some level. Um, so there's just a lot of things that sort of just get dropped. So... Yeah, I think I think there were some like undertones that carried over, but I think there's a couple things going on here. One, the Danny and Brandon thing coming together. Yes, they did say, hey, big guys, don't make it in this game, so we've got to stick together. And so they made like a pact of sorts. And yeah, it would have been nice to see them actually have a conversation on that mergatory beach. But I felt like the events of that journey were really centered around Carolyn's point of view, which was, it was her point of view that, oh, 
all the big guys are going to stay strong because of what she heard two big guys say to each other. It wasn't, they never said, oh, we're going to pick up Josh or we're going to pick up so-and-so, right? Um, They just said, the two of us need to look out for each other. And like, Mm -hmm. how much stock do we put in that? I don't know. It was just like, there was three people there and we saw the two men connect with each other. So like, were they super, super serious about like going to the end together? I sort of doubt it, but- Certainly there's that bond that they had. Mm-hmm. And then it was Carolyn who made the jump to say, wait, Josh has muscles and he's a man. Maybe I need to take care of that before he can link up with them. Because I Josh see. doesn't even know that. I mean, he knows Danny, but we know from Soka that Danny never wanted to work with Josh in the first place. I see, I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, the, and I the... also think there's like Carolyn's giving a little like too much grace to the straight men where it's like i don't see those two broing out straight guys and it's not like they're like toxic or anything but they're like broy straight guys i don't see them pulling in uh i don't see them pulling in a josh necessarily yeah i mean i don't see them pulling in many people i i don't think it seems like their i feel like their target is going to yeah get bigger and bigger uh, as we move forward um my and so i think wait so i have more to say and so i think that uh that the storyline that carried over here is carolyn feeling left out Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really interesting that carolyn gets to this beach who has been a huge character really like commanding presence on her tribe on tika she gets there and she feels completely drowned out Uh, in a similar way that she did on the journey. And it's like, we're seeing that Carolyn struggles in certain social situations. So on the journey, she struggled to be the presence that she normally is with these two people she has nothing in common with. And it's, it's, I would say, mostly their fault, but also she wasn't able to like assert herself socially in that situation. And now we're seeing her move from a small tribe where she was the huge presence that she was, go into a big tribe and not be able to make herself the center of attention. Uh, I don't use that in like the negative term, but she wasn't able to like really ingratiate herself with that tribe, even when she's giving them useful information. Like I know Josh doesn't have an idol, which is really important to the plan you're putting together nobody believes her they just like shrug her off and so i feel like that's the carryover from last week is like mm-hmm. carolyn being a little unmoored socially but i have to say it, it's not as though the 11 people were really bonding and carolyn was on the outs i felt like some of that was in her head um which mm-hmm. i understand it's like this is a situation she's been in in her life many times in which she's felt outcasted but there were lots of moments. I mean, there was that moment where, like, I think she was talking to Franny at one point, or unless I'm imagining this. But, like, I saw her having conversations with new people, and obviously the target was not on her. So I felt like that was a little bit more her, like, as a human being than hmm. her in the game and that sort of coming in. I will say, though, like, I think it's a huge loss. Well, first of all, I mean we all know our collective thoughts about the mergatory and the like complexity of that and how unnecessary it is. But I also think one thing that's lost in not having them all meet up thinking it's a challenge and then find out that they're merged is that you get this period in which it's like, they all find out the merge is coming, which by the way, they pretty much already know, which is nothing new. I mean, they always pretty much know when the merge is coming. 
But then they get together and then there's no real event, right? Because they're not getting the feast. So they're just sort of left to like sit in a circle. And I think one of the great things about doing the, presenting the merge ahead of a reward challenge and then having them immediately go into their new tribes and do an activity, it creates this bonding moment um, immediately at the outset because suddenly you're strategizing with people that you've never before worked with. And so when you go back to the beach afterward, I feel like you have that fun moment of like things, someone that you didn't know, you just are on a high because you just did this thing together. I mean, it's why the challenges are so great and why it can be a huge turning point for people in the sense of like going from feeling that they're on the bottom to like finding a footing. Um, so I feel like that I just, I wish that like Jeff was there to present the merge properly and that they were coming back having formed a little bit more of a bond with people, even if it's just like, hey, we just won this challenge. I think that that would have given us more than just them sort of sitting around in a circle awkwardly. Mm. Okay, I feel differently about this because we've seen the mergatory challenge happen. We've seen that play out in, I think this is how they did in 43 too. I can't remember how they did in 43, but certainly in 41, 42, they arrive at a challenge. Jeff says, drop your buffs. You're splitting into two teams. One of you is going to be safe. The other's not. One of them is going to go to a feast. The other's going to go back to camp. And like, certainly that creates, that sort of forces an interesting dynamic because you have a group of winners and a group of losers. And there is bonding i think in that and say at a merge feast you know a plan might come together and those people might be bonded by that plan and that could become an alliance but we've seen that play out and so i kind of appreciated seeing something different which was the ability for everybody to meet one another start to make those connections and then go and have to get split up into random teams because i think the problem is sometimes you get these situations where the winning team is stacked with strong men who like I'm not that interested in. In this case, I really liked the winning team. I was like really oh, happy yeah. with who was on that team. It was team. literally like all the people I like on one side minus yeah. Jam Jam and yeah. then people I was in- indifferent about. <laughs> yeah. And so like so so the the individuals in this specific scenario aside, like there is a risk of like oh we've got a winning team who's now getting fed, who's all safe at tribal that I don't necessarily like, where at least here they were able to form those bonds in advance. So it's interesting to see the merge feast go down where they're like okay, now we're going to pitch for different people and we've all sort of like met these people. We have ideas of who we want to work with on other tribes. And so we're just going to have to kind of fight this out and come back to camp. And it's not this huge divide. It's like people who've already met coming back together and sharing some information. And uh, did it lead to like the most you know, blockbuster vote? No, it was actually like a pretty straightforward vote despite all of the editing tricks that made us think that it was like a wild, insane vote. Um, Essentially, almost the entire tribe voted together in this plan of uh, sending Josh home with Jam Jam as the uh, the alternate. And so, yeah, I mean, like, could it it have been a more interesting strategic uh, play if they had kept them separate? I'm not entirely sure. But I liked, for, for a season that's really 
doing well in terms of like showing the social uh, connections between people and it being a more character, despite all of the advantages and idols and things that are floating around, it's it feels more character driven than say the last three seasons uh, to me. And so I think that it was appropriate to be able to see them all come together. And it was nice to see like, for example, the the Carolyn Jam Jam and Carson come back together, and and you know we've got a Three Stooges alliance. Like it was nice to see them all be able to have a moment together where, you know, the the tribal council situation was not yet determined. It was just mm-hmm. we're coming back together. There's not really like an agenda here. We're just gonna like figure out how we're gonna move forward in the game together. I do think it's tricky though because it's hard to know where Jam Jam and Carson fit. Mm. And you really, as much as they're like, are like, we're, is it Three Stooges, not Three Amigos, right? Three Stooges. Okay, yeah. As much as they're the Three Stooges, you have Carolyn in the confessional being like, I'm 94% in with Jam Jam. So it's like, despite the fact that they're kind of being presented, I mean, they're explicitly calling themselves this this trio, you don't really get the sense that they're moving forward in the game as a trio. It's more like, we will move forward as a trio so long as it's convenient to the three of us. But, like, if someone throws out someone else in the group's name, I mean, the fact that Carson went and told Kane about that vote kind of shows you that he's not really playing the game for Jam Jam or Carolyn. I mean, he's playing the game for himself, and he's going to go where it's convenient. Um, Yeah, yeah. I did just want to say, though, and you alluded to this, I think one of my frustrations with this episode by way of edit was... It was so obvious Josh was going home from the beginning of the episode, and I know this is nothing new, right? And I guess, thinking of it from the producer side of things, you have an episode in which, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, Josh was likely going home last week, right? So in their mm-hmm. mind, it's kind of like, well, do we want to do the exact same thing a week later and have an episode centered around Josh going home? Probably not, right? So, and, and because they cannot control the inevitability of the outcome, they can kind of go at it from, well, we can try and throw off the audience's scent. I wish in situations like this, when the vote was so obvious, they would shrink down tribal to five minutes, have it mm-hmm. be business, and, ex- and instead expand things that are going to pay off later in the game. Like give us, uh, for instance, like I'm really curious about people's perceptions of Franny and Matt's relationship, yeah. right? Like that's something that's going to, clearly from the scenes for next week, it's going to play a big role. You have to imagine that like people on their tribe previously are going to go to these new people and and maybe put a target on them at, to get it off of themselves. That's just something that we could have spent more time on or even just getting to know characters like Lauren who uh, we've you know yet to really meet. I wish that they wouldn't have spent so much time doing the chaos. And then on top of that, you have Matt at Tribal with the analogy of like, we continue to do these analogies at Tribal, but we continue to sort of like act like the most interesting thing about this game slash show is that you never know what's gonna happen. And it's like, one, yes you do. And two, it's because of that, that it's not the most interesting part of the show. And in fact, having moments like Carolyn up at the Tribal booth, turn around, see a ball with, a, what do you call that? A mace. A mace. Seeing a mace and saying, like, I used to have one of these growing up, that is, in fact, the moment of the episode. And so I wish there was that ability to understand that, like, 
the chaos of who's going to go home is never interesting unless it's a situation in which there's some people know, you know, there are, there are exceptions to what I'm saying, but I think for the most part, I just wish that they would have leaned in and been like, yes, it's Josh going home. And so we accept that reality. And therefore we're going to put your attention on other interesting things that are coming down the line. Yeah, that's a really good point because there are actually a couple plot holes that I think we need to discuss here, uh, specifically with regards to Matt and Franny. Yes, you're right. We don't know what other people think about them. We got that scene of them in the shelter holding hands, which is, by the way, it's like make out already. And, and they're like, we're not going to tell people how tight we are, but I think people know. I think people on Soka know how tight they are. I mean, they were like pitched as, I mean, Josh even, who's shown to us. And I don't think Josh is as bad at the game as the show sort of portrayed him as. I think he did the best with the situation he had. The, the one thing that wasn't great was his really bad read on his original Ahsoka tribe members mm-hmm. and his relationships with them. But like we had Josh vocalize Franny and Matt are a thing. Heidi and Danny are a thing. And I'm sort of like can go either way here. Uh, so like if Josh knows, I think people know. Um, and the big plot hole for me is Matt had this comment where they were talking at the merch feast about Josh's potential idol. And Carolyn sort of is trying to convince them, hey, just so you know, the idol he's talking about is completely fake. We saw it. He made it out of tree mail. Nobody listens to her. Matt says, what if he took the fake idol out of, what if he took the real idol out of the birdcage and put the fake idol back in the birdcage and he actually has a real idol, but you all think it's fake? Uh, how does Matt know that there's a fake idol in the birdcage? Because he has the fake idol from the birdcage. So, you know, Danny has the real idol from the Soka camp. He planted the fake. He led Matt to the key. Matt gets it. How in the world does Matt know that there is a fake idol associated with the birdcage? Because if he knows that, does he suspect that the idol he has is fake? Or does he believe it's real? And if he thinks he has the real idol, then where the hell does he think the fake one is? So like this seems like a big plot hole for somebody who's sitting with an idol, real or fake. In this case, it's fake in his pocket. <laughs> I have no idea. That's <laughs> something I could have like gotten. No, two I mean more like that's on. no, no, no. That's that's high level thinking. Um, it's above my pay grade, but I yeah, that sounds <laughs> that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. I have to believe though. The part of me thinks that. There was a lot of editing done with regards to Carolyn this episode. I just mm. didn't get so because first of all, they use that like, I guess, for lack of a better word, flourish when they sort of had like yeah. the voices around Carolyn's head to sort of like show truly how ostracized she was. And then later at that uh, at that merge feast, I guess part of me was wondering immediately when she presented that information like it's fake. If I were the other five, I wouldn't follow up. Like, how do you know that? Like, blah, blah, blah. That seemed a little dissatisfying to me where it's not that I felt like they didn't believe her or ignored her because you wouldn't ignore information like that. She was clearly the only one present that's been with Josh the last few days. So if anyone's going to present this information. And then I was listening to... um, know-it-alls and they were presenting the fact that well maybe they wouldn't believe her because she could be like aligned with josh but uh, that's hard to believe because there was just a vote in which 
if it if if you don't know them, right? If you're on the outside and you know that Jam Jam, Josh, and Carolyn just went to tribal, I'm going to assume that Carolyn and Jam Jam, the original tribe members, are going to be gunning for Josh, the mm-hmm. new tribe member, who not only is not one of their originals, but can then go link up with his old tribe. Mm-hmm. So when Carolyn presents this information, one, the one person who spent the most time with Josh in the last few days, and who has like an obvious reason to like tell the truth here because it's it's clear that she wouldn't want Josh to advance in the game. I would have given her more credence. And so the edit is presenting it as like, well, they just don't care about her because they think she's crazy. And I'm like, I don't I don't quite get that sense. In fact, it's like I could use more talking heads from the new players who just met Carolyn to give us a first impression mm-hmm. because so far everything that we've learned about Carolyn has been from her original tribe or from Josh coming in. But I want to know if you're one of the other players that hasn't yet met Carolyn outside of the challenges. I don't I don't get the vibe that I would think she's like really that cuckoo. Um, but I, maybe that is the, the case. So I could use more intel on how people are feeling about Carolyn. Yeah. And the other thing with this idea that Carolyn may have been working with Josh and that's why nobody really wanted to believe this story about the idol is that and and I mean this didn't happen at the merge feast necessarily but it would have come out after the fact that when Jam Jam becomes the second option then it's like Caroline can't like the chances of her wanting to protect Josh and his alleged idol uh, I think are a lot slimmer than wanting to protect Jam Jam, who she's worked with since the beginning. And who, Car- I mean, Carson's really, really ingrained himself in the Ratu tribe. I think he's done a really good job of creating social connections with uh, Kane and Lauren and Brandon. Uh, people seem to trust him. He's like giving information up about the pre-merge idol and things like that. So I think he's done a good job. And so I feel like he's got a little bit more social capital to be able to say like hey like i can vouch for carolyn i don't know anything about this idol but like i believe her mm-hmm. um so yeah this whole tika thing it's it's making me nervous but i do believe that they can get through this i'm just not sure how because with every i mean not everybody but i mean like th- so jam jam only got three votes but it was a majority 11 people that voted between Josh and Jam Jam. And so the split vote must have been known by, I imagine, most of them. And they were okay with it. Uh, that makes me a little nervous for Jam Jam's position in the in the game. And by, by association, Carolyn's. Yeah, but I feel like there's so many... I feel like there's so many, it's hard to know where people are positioned right now because I just feel like because everyone is A, newly merged, but also really excited to be at this place in the game of Survivor and these are all big fans of the show. And as we kind of have seen so far in this episode, like tribe loyalty is not really the name of the game this season. I feel like one slip up can cause you to get the people's attention on you very quickly. I don't think there's a lot that people are going off of at the moment. Um, So I feel like who's next could really, like my inclination is to say that like, they're gonna go after a bigger guy next, Mm. Um, but not sure. Also worth noting, so of our 
five boots now, because I'm not counting Bruce. I guess, well, okay, so actually we should count Bruce if we're going to count Matthew. But so of our six boots so far, we've gotten, is it, wait, how, we've had seven boots now, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we've had four women, two queer men, and Bruce. Yes, that is true. Because before we were making the joke last week where it was like girls, gays, and Bruce, and that continues. Yeah, it does. But hey, at least a man got voted out of this game already. Like yeah. six episodes. And I in. have to, and I have to say it's like of all the seasons for it to be this situation, it's not as though the men left in the game are leading with machismo here. Like yeah. you look at someone like Matt, for instance, and it's like if you're if men are going to succeed in the game of Survivor, I would rather it be your Matts and Carsons. Um, you know, it's not like we're playing with Tonys or Rob Marianos here um, mm-hmm. for the most part. So don't get me wrong, I'm not pl- the pleased to see the girlies go, but I don't think we've had like this season of like bravada by way of the men outside of that conversation last week. But then even this week, like looking at Danny, it's like Danny seems way more in with his girlies, or his girlie, rather, um, who's now in with her girlie. Um, So yeah, that's also worth touching down on briefly, is Lauren and Heidi, okay, I'm of two minds, right? On the one hand, I'm like, I like the fact that we have this little scene with them that we, the audience, can then sort of take away, oh, they must have had this sort of like quick bond, because just that scene gave me an impression that like suddenly in my mind, I'm like, they're a duo, despite the fact that They've barely been on the show, let alone been in conversation. My inclination is to say, I need more of that, like the backstory, blah, blah, blah. But there's another part of me that's like, "Mm, I can kind of pick, I picked up on a lot of things very quickly, but then I'm also, I'm also the mindset where it's like, yeah, but did I pick on things that like actually weren't there just to Mm. like sort of fill in a backstory so that it made sense? I'm not sure. But in my mind, I'm moving forward thinking, oh, Lauren and Heidi, are working together. But I have no proof of that outside of a scene in which they weren't even facing one another, um, <laughs> but they were gaming out things, um, which again, could have just been by convenience. So I'm not sure. How do, you, how do you, where do you come down on like the Heidi and Lauren and, and the lack of sort of both of them on the show individually, but also this potential partnership? Yeah, I think it's disappointing that they haven't been on the show. I understand that Ratu is probably the least well-developed original tribe now that they're here and they're in the action because they only went to that one tribal council right Mm -hmm. um but now that they're here and they're in the middle of the action i think they have a lot of influence it's it seems to me like brandon has influence over people kane people seem to like him they didn't want to change the contingency vote to kane uh Carson is in there. Like, I feel like that Ratu tribe has power. Where Lauren fits into that, still undetermined. I have to imagine, though, that when Soka came over and Lauren saw Heidi and was like, Hi, I'm Lauren. She's like, Hi, I'm Heidi. And she was like, Heidi, where are you from? And Heidi was like, Pittsburgh. And Lauren was like, I fucking love Pittsburgh. Totally. That's going to be the secret scene this week. Yeah. <laughs> and now they'll be the final two. Oh my God. I gotta say though, <laughs> I think that Carson's getting, I, I actually, I'm not someone that's overly indulgent on the whole winner edit conversation, but I think Carson's winning this season. I think he's got a really, really, really good shot. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of his POV. 
We're getting uh, everything that he tells us we know to be true. Mm-hmm. So he seems to have like a good aerial bird's eye view of the whole situation. And I think that's always like promising in the edit. And I think like the best thing to happen to him was the tribe swap to Ratu because yeah, he was, he had these connections on Tika, but for many good reasons, I think people are weary about Carolyn and Jam Jam, and that may very well change. And part of that may also be that Josh was throwing out Jam Jam's name so hard that now that Josh is gone, people will be like, oh, there's, the Jam Jam's not threatening to me. Um, but so he he had that, and I think it's good for him that he got out of that and made connections with people like Kane, like Brandon, because uh, I think they have a lot of influence. People really seem to like Kane. And mm-hmm. I think you saw that in, in the scrambling. And Kane, by the way, I saw the Survivor Fact Checker tweet that with Kane making the merge, every Canadian to play Survivor has made the merge. So not every woman has that, but every Canadian has that. Mm. Yeah, so I agree, though, that Carson has a very, very strong likelihood of, if not winning, getting to the end, for sure. I do just got to say that while we're on the topic of this this swap real quick, it's like, I just found it a little dissatisfying that, like, we only really got one vote with the swap, mm-hmm. you know, because last week, obviously, there was no vote, and then they're merging. And so I feel like with if you're going to do the swap, I think it needs to go on for longer because two of the three tribes never even contended with having to strategize around the swap. You know what I mean? Because there was yeah. no there was no effect to it other than the tribe shakeup. So as much as like I agree with you that Carson is in such an ideal spot here, but also it was sort of by luck of the draw because had that tribe gone to tribal it's likely that Carson would have gone home if not been targeted um, as the new person in the tribe, but he never had to deal with that at all. So of course, most likely you're when you're the new guy in a tribe and you're not contending with tribal and they're sick of seeing each other and only having each other to talk about and you're a nice, friendly guy, it makes sense that like he, he got really lucky here because he got to be around a bunch of people who were looking for new blood and got to bond with him and never have to really game things out until now. So if they bring back the swap, which I'm all in favor of, I think it needs to have more consequence. And again, yeah. part of that you could say was, well, the plan was for it to be two two rounds of voting, but I even think even more. Which brings me yeah. to also say like, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's like they, they made this absolutely wild, unprecedented move of giving out three free idols with no risk whatsoever except that you're going to a new camp which basically guarantees if Carson went to tribal council he wouldn't be going home he'd be playing his pre-merge idol and sending whoever the hell he wants from the original Ratu out and that may cause like rifts socially especially if he was targeted but still like that could also build a lot of bridges so there's there's the way that Josh had to play it where it's like he cut off Jam Jam. He created this situation, which partially led to him getting voted out last night. But there, there's another way to play it. And I think Carson's maybe a little bit more savvy than Josh in the game of Survivor and the strategy of Survivor that I think Carson probably could have pulled in 
like Kane to a plan. You know, they could have gotten Brandon out. I think everybody would have been like more or less happy with that because we eliminated a big physical threat Mm -hmm. and Brandon was the target of the first vote on Rachu. So like, I think there was a way he could play it that actually ingratiated himself even further into the tribe and the broader uh, merge tribe. But still, it's just wild that, like, yeah, you would have two rounds of voting, and they're giving out three idols for the two rounds of voting. Right. Was that necessary? I don't think Th- so. That should be the the semicolon wasn't necessary, the new era of Survivor. I do want to touch down on Jeff uh, briefly. Sure. I think maybe it's because I'm, you know, I'm deep in Survivor Australia season two and quite high on Jonathan. Mm-hmm. But I had this moment, this episode, and like, this is not going to be like, wow, Evan, I can't believe you got to this point. But like, I am very ready for Jeff to be off this show. I think that there was a while where my mindset was, I don't think Jeff is adding value. And I think lately I'm sort of turning and I'm like, I actually think Jeff is like cheapening this show and sort of taking up a space that I think someone else occupying could inject more energy into. There was something about his bemusement during Tribal when Matt was giving a very rudimentary analogy that we've heard time and time again, and yet Jeff is receiving it with such glee that I found really nauseating where it's like, I need a host who pushes back in that moment and is like, all right, Matt, I'm going to cut you off right there. We've heard this before. That's the energy I think we're needing a la a Sandra as host. Um, I'm just not vibing with what Jeff's bringing. And then I also think there's just something, it's starting to feel, and it's funny, I'm saying starting to feel, but I'm picking up on just how routine everything feels. And I think part of that could have been, as I said earlier, just like the unnecessary ritual of tribal sometimes when it's like, we know who's going home. We don't really need to like talk everything through, but I'm, I'm, I'm about had it with Jeff Probst. I'd prefer him on the podcast. Keep him on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Keep him as EP. Even. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, well, yeah, I don't know. I get Let's, what you, yeah, let's not get yeah. carried away. But I get like I get what your sentiment is, which is that like yeah. he can stay involved with Survivor. We're not kicking him off the island entirely. He can be a consultant. But I just think there's so many like what I think that I'm craving, and again, this is also informed by watching Claudia Winkleman on the Traders, is like the kind of host who's it feels like Jeff is like Jeff is the machine, and then I'm sorry, I was gonna make a metaphor, I'm gonna not. Okay, uh, it just kind of feels like everyone sort of comes and plays the game, play like does tribal in a way that they know will satisfy Jeff, and I'm looking for a host who more lo- gets a lay of like the contestants and responds accordingly. And I just think like Jeff's mode, especially with the modern era, is just like delight at how excited and like fanish these people are. And I'd rather someone scold them a bit more in their fanishness and be like, you are playing like a fan and like you need to play like a player of this game. Like I just need someone who's a little bit more authoritative and and I don't know, that's how I feel. Yeah, okay, okay, noted. I think that what Jonathan does so well is that he's able to stoke the fire every time and he asks the right questions that he can like 
cause the drama to come out at Tribal, where Jeff has gotten away from that. I know we've said this a million times, like I'm just repeating myself, but I do think there's something to the line of questioning where it's become so broad and general now that there's no more drama at Tribal, where uh, the drama that happened in the I'm Felicia episode came from the contestants, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like, wait a second, what do you mean her? Who's her? Well, I'm her. Um, so like that that worked and i think that uh i think it's because of the contestants and then jeff was forced to sort of like follow that the line of questioning of like right. what the contestants brought to that tribal but he used to be so expert at pulling that out of people by saying not what is survivor like but hey what's the talk of idols who do you think has idols oh there's talk of josh having an idol wait a second what do you guys think at tika oh you think it's fake why do you think it's fake and then we get like oh well, then we have a moment now we've got a moment you know what i mean stir the pot jeff yeah stir the pot yeah so yeah i do agree with that uh there was something oh we should also talk uh briefly about the merge challenge because we've got yet another instance of the 3d puzzle making um, where carson was able to study the tree puzzle which they have been doing the tree puzzle for many 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 years and the most wild thing about it to me is that it's a puzzle you can change the pieces you literally just cut them different and it's a new puzzle in the same shape just as hard as the first time you did it but they're using the same puzzle pieces and so carson's able to memorize and i think he tweeted about this carson's able to memorize which pieces go where because they're the same pieces Mm -hmm. why not cut new pieces yeah, I mean, it feels so obvious to like, touch down on this topic because I feel like we've circled this topic many times. I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel similarly. Yeah, we want challenges to be changed up. And to your point, it's like not necessarily having to reinvent the wheel here. There's even nuanced ways in which they can change it. I'd argue like I'd like to just let's just get rid of puzzles altogether and try something that's actually the great equalizer and not something that's marketed as such. But I think the other thing that I wanted more of an aftermath of is, so Carson clearly finished that very, very quickly. And if I were the other 11 people playing this game, and I can understand from his perspective, he didn't fake it in that situation because he knew that that immunity meant that he was 100% safe and 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 one of his allies, Carolyn, blah, blah, blah. So I understand it. But I, if I were the 11 other people, I'd be like, wow, Carson whipped through that puzzle very quickly. And there's 11 of us left. There's probably seven or eight more immunity challenge. I'm not a mathematician. Um, all of which are going to have puzzles. Um, this could happen again mm-hmm. or again and again. Um, mm-hmm. This could be the thing that secures Carson the win. Also, if Carson's this good at making puzzles, I have reason to believe he probably studied how to make a fire as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a great scholar of the game, there's so many reasons why this should have made him the most obvious target by everyone and a very agreeable target. Also, if you're the you know, if you're anyone outside of Jam Jam, you could really present the idea of like, let's just get rid of this tribe, right? Like let's us two tribes band together, take out this powerful player, Carson. We never even got anyone even suggesting that, um, let alone putting it out to the tribe. I found that to be even more odd than 
the footage that they showed, which was very Big Brother style. I don't even know why we needed the insertion of like that like cloudy image of like Carson with a 3D puzzle. Yeah. Which then I also think like if you're the because I'm imagining that was sent before he left for Fiji. So then like when you're literally sitting down and like he sends uh, you they this... could have asked for it in post. They could have asked for it in post. I mean, judging by the quality, you're right. Um, I just, I continue to, so yes, obviously we all are like, why do they keep doing this? What's the most odd thing though for me is the fact that like Survivor seems to revel in it rather than like, you would think they'd want to like cover their head a little bit and be like, okay, now that we see this, we gotta, this guy, this, this has gotta be the last time it happens, but they love it. Like they like encouraging people to do this when it's like, maybe encourage people to learn how to build a shelter, you know? But the one thing I will argue against is people are saying that like, they're bringing up the idea of privilege here and the idea that like, well, you know, because of the costs of 3D printing, I don't think you can do all this stuff by just drawing it. Like there, this doesn't need to be, you don't need a 3D rendering in order to master a puzzle like this. Yeah. I don't think that the, I don't think that the, the, the privilege aspect of it, I don't, I don't quite see that. Okay, so the, that it is true that Carson has a 3D printer, and like I've seen pictures of Carson's house on Instagram, he's fucking loaded. Um, so like, okay, noted on the privilege thing, but you can buy these puzzles; they are available on Etsy for twenty nine dollars. Like, it is possible to get a tree puzzle for twenty nine dollars that somebody else has 3D printed. Uh, yeah, thirty bucks is a lot for a dumb tree puzzle, but like. Uh, let's be realistic. If you're going on Survivor, you have the luxury of taking a month and a half off of work. It, it, it is already a privilege to go on Survivor. So uh, that yeah, the, I, I push back on that a little bit because these things are available. And like you say, there are ways to even make some of these at home. I mean, look what uh, Evie did with you know, stringing like balls onto uh, a string to be able to make that triangular puzzle. Like you can do, you can do a lot of this on the cheap. Are the so. ones that are marketed on Etsy, are they marketed as like survivor puzzle challenges or they're just like standard? Yeah. Okay. They are. Yeah. If you search survivor puzzle on Etsy, you'll see uh, many, many recurring puzzles available for sale. It's interesting though, just like a cursory search on Twitter. It seems like people really don't like the fact, like it is not popular that Carson was able to sort of no. game the game. Uh, no, and I think I think it's completely fair that he did. Uh, I think it's uh, the the problem is entirely in the hands of the producers and the game designers. But like, he, uh, because because we talk we talk about all the time. If you're going on Survivor, you should prepare to be on Survivor. Take a swimming class. Learn how to make a fire. In this case, in the new era, go on Etsy and buy some puzzles because yeah, it's but, gonna come in handy. But also like. Maybe don't present that. It's like there's a world in which someone just comes <laughs> yeah. on and like they've secretly studied yeah. everything and are just like, I'm fi-, like they're basically. Uh, it's kind of who adopted was it Kelly Wigglesworth? Who was the person that? No, it's not someone in the past that decided not to. Oh, Brian Heideck, I think that he was not going to tell the producers any of his strategy. Hmm. And that, that really frustrated them, which I guess I don't encourage this because producers don't like it. But then again, it's like, we should be doing what the producers don't like. But it's this, the fact that Carson like gives this intel where it's like, so the narrative is that, so not only has Carson studied how to do this, but the narrative is going to be that Carson has studied to do this. Whereas I think it'd be way more fun if Carson like had studied everything, came in like, I don't know shit about shit. And it's like, suddenly I'm 
I'm faced with a puzzle and it's like, I just sort of like, I saw it in my head and yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if anything, either you study up, but then don't tell anybody, um, or you want a season in which it's like everybody has studied up. And so it's really just a race to see who studied the best, which is why I think there's a world in which remember back in the day, I was saying, remember to you of all people, you remember back in the day when they used to give them things at camp that were going to be used within the challenge. So for instance, when they were doing Mm -hmm. the one where they had to walk on stilts, they would give them a stilt back at camp to say practice for the challenge. So there's a world in which they give them a miniature version of the puzzle so that they can all start getting a feel for it. And it really comes down to retention and who spends the most time mastering something. I like that because it really does then become an equalizer because it's really a matter of how much how much time are you going to put into studying? Yeah, if that was the case, we'd need way more complex puzzles though. Because even like on its face, this tree puzzle doesn't have that many pieces. There's like what, 10, maybe 15 pieces? Like it's not a complex puzzle. They've had complex puzzles. But you look at some of these puzzles on Australian Survivor, they're like vertical and circular and the, sh- the shapes are like wild. And it's like, you, even if you practice it, you can't memorize it. Where Carson was able to memorize yeah. this puzzle because there's only a handful of pieces. Yeah. Can I do um for the Instagram? Can I do a like a, a diptych post of because I want to do something with Matt's skiing comments and the Gwyneth trial. Oh, by all means. Okay, I didn't know if we were over that. How do you feel? I mean, you know, I, I now that I have the keys, sometimes I go a little rogue, <laughs> and I'm just wondering. Uh, no, I'm all about it because like it's it's always a joy. It's like always a surprise. Okay. Like this morning, I get I start getting these messages out of nowhere. And they're like, scream. And I'm like, oh, what? This isn't about something I posted Mm because I know what I posted. And then I go on and it's about, you know, who's the top and who's the bottom in survivor Mm -hmm. history. And I'm like, okay, that was a pleasant surprise at 8 a.m. So (laughs) I know I'm all about about it. Great. And then I also noticed, Sean, that um, Drop Your Buffs has a Twitter account. Mm, yeah, we do. I haven't advertised it. To yeah, be honest. you haven't told your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Hang on a second. Hang on a second, because because oh, I say I haven't advertised it. I actually did advertise it on the close friend stories, which are available to patrons of Drop Your Bus uh-huh. and to Evan Ross Cats. Uh, and so it's not my fault if you don't mm-hmm. watch our stories. Mm-hmm. So that, I'm was, not that was posted up. like a couple weeks ago. Okay, so I'm not picking up. What's I've been being slow. Put down. I haven't advertised it because like I'm not like committed to tweeting. A I, ton, I think but... you're more committed than the average person <laughs> who's non-committal. And so, if you want to follow Drop Your Buffs on Twitter, uh, Drop Your Buffs Pod. Hey, that's too long for a Twitter handle, so I had to get inventive. It is Drop Buffs Pod. Drop the your, <laughs> keep the drop buffs pod okay drop buffs pod i also just want to give sean a shout out here and this is funny this is why i think you and i are such good a good pair so sean created the iconic barbie images for Mm -hmm. our instagram if you haven't already seen them you'd be one of the few who hasn't but please go check them out and it's funny because i was just they were by far my favorite version of the meme um and also just credit to you for like, we could have gone with much, it could have gone in a much more obvious direction and you went in a very us route. But when we're talking afterwards, Sean's like, 
I just, I was worried about posting, because by the way, I, I'm correct in assuming it's our most liked post of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you were like, oh, well, I thought the moment was over. Meanwhile, it hadn't even, it was like, had I think not even 12 hours. And it's funny <laughs> like because, but this just goes to show that it's like, I understand that inclination, but in my mind, I was like, this is the, it's still, what is, wait, when a wave crests, that's that's when it's like starts, that's the beginning of the down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, we're still, we have not yet crested, but I was, I was glad that you, so actually, wait, I was saying this is why we're such a good pair. I guess this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you just following, <laughs> not listening to your own instincts. So take me out of it. This is all you. But well, I could I'm have really like asked you. for your input. And no, but the point is it's like, like, oh, I have this idea, but I'm over it. And you could have been like, don't be over it. It's a great idea. Well, I would but have didn't happen, that. but like, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's in my mind. <laughs> um, no, but it's like, I'm of the mindset where like, things have a lot longer of a shelf life than I think people tend to realize. I think White Lotus is a great example of the fact that like the con- the discourse continues and continued well after the finale. I think there are certain things that like, like for instance, the Ariana DeBose did the thing, it's over. Like that mm-hmm. is not, we. that is dead in a ditch. But like- Did you something- see her performing a remix of it? No. She performed it on stage. Wait. I'll send you the video. Oh dear. I assumed um, you would. I didn't send it to you because I was like, oh, of course Evan's going to see this. No, I, I missed that one. No, but like, They'll but the point is, it's like the Barbie thing. I actually think the Barbie thing has, I think that, so my mind, if I were to like talk through a meme, I think the images are done, but I do think the text, this Barbie is a, um, there's a lot left in terms of like, that has a big shelf life to me. And it's funny because oh, I, I remember. Oh, see, I'm like, this Barbie <laughs> is a. Now, I remember thinking when I first saw it, I was like, I don't quite love that aspect of the posters and now i'm like whoever came up with this campaign because the images themselves for the barbie campaign not for the drop your bubs one are actually like quite stale for the most part like they're very like you know they you know dua lipa's wig i think should indicate yeah. sort of th- the quality here um and yet they were really able to like make this a full-blown internet moment i mean i i'm here for it yeah I think it was really, I think it was everything that they did with the the supporting characters, mm-hmm. the Kens, the multiple Kens, um, Midge. Like, I think that it was all the supporting characters and their taglines because you so often get these big blockbuster movie, uh, you know, series of posters and they, they all have to have like, you know, like wild bombastic uh, headlines. And then to have, it's just Ken or like just yeah. another Ken. Like that was that was clever. I think this movie is going to change the world. So I do think one of the big questions that is out there right now is whether or not the tone presented in this trailer, which I think is probably most comparable to like the Brady Bunch movie, um, whether or not that is in fact the tone of the movie, because for anyone that is familiar with the Greta Gerwig oeuvre, that would not fit in with mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker as we know her to be. So there's one direction, which is that like, yeah, that's why she took this on. She wanted to do something that was a total departure. Or there's the idea that we're being presented with like that either what we're seeing in the trailer is not in fact in the film or that mm-hmm. there's another layer that will be unlocked when we see the film. 
because, and the reason why I think that there's probably some something sticky to that mm-hmm. is that the teaser trailer that was originally released um, that replicated the Apocalypse Now trailer, that was more in line with sort of a more zoomed out view of Barbie as this representation of a form of femininity that took hold, which I feel like is something like a subject that seems very Gerwigian. Yeah. So I think we've only scratched the surface with the trailer because obviously the story is that Barbie goes to the real world. Like that is so clearly the story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, and there's so many parallels in the trailer to the Wizard of Oz and this idea of like moving from one world to another. I mean, there's there's literal references to Wizard of Oz. Uh, there's images of of the characters in the trailer. Yeah, everyone um, online is being like, like, look, we found this like Easter egg about the Wizard yeah, of Oz. I'm like, it's, it's not Easter. It's babe. told to us, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have a moment, and we see Barbie like leaving to what does it say like the real world ahead or something like this Mm -hmm. something like reality ahead or i can't remember the words that they use but certainly indicating she's going to go to earth where whatever like the real world and i think she's going to be very disillusioned i feel like it's going to be like um like a pleasant feel sort of idea do you know also we have those shots of of all those from her filming in malibu yeah um, of course which leads me to think that it's like barbie in Malibu, unless yeah. that was just them using Malibu. Uh, yeah, but yes, I- I'm with you. Plus, to have humans, like there are people on the posters who are humans. Is Will Ferrell playing the creator of Barbie? Good question. Uh, and so I feel like there's going to be this reckoning of like, oh my God, like this existential crisis of like, am I even a person? What am I right. representing? Right. Uh, and I feel like it's, I feel like there's so much more than this trailer is leading us to believe. Mm. Okay, so with that in mind, I then would hope, because I do think it is a huge loss not to have Aqua's Barbie Girl as a part of this totally. movie. Just because, I don't know if you have put that song on rotation recently. It is <laughs> such. For, yeah, for the past 25 years. Okay, there you go. Bop, 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 bop. Um, no, that is, I think it just has to be there, but I'm really fine with it not being in the trailers. And I just hope it operates somehow into the I've film. I've heard it's not. I've heard it's not yeah, in the but, film. Yeah, but we also, I mean, we've heard a lot. You know, at one point we heard Amy Schumer was Barbie, so... We heard Nev Campbell wasn't going to be in Scream 6, and how'd that turn out? Oh, Um, (laughs) Okay, wait, but the last thing I want to say about Barbie on this Barbie podcast is I'm seeing a lot of discourse online dragging Ryan Gosling's appearance. There's a lot of things about, like, you know, he's way too old to be Ken, and, like, he looks like he's either had Botox or needs Botox or blah, 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 blah. This like this weird mindset that is like seeping into people that thinks that Ryan Gosling is not so fucking hot always forever and that he like doesn't look good in this trailer or that there's like not a self-awareness around the presentation of Ken. Like I don't think that Greta Gerwig was like, yeah, we should cast a 20-something, but then Ryan Gosling walks in and she's like, okay, we'll cast him. Like, I trust in the process here. And like, no, Ryan Gosling does not look 20, and he also looks hot as fuck, and he looks like Ken. Like, I don't look at a Barbie doll of Ken and think, oh, wow, that's a youthful man. I think that's no, a doll. No, me neither. So, that, that's a man. 
I just don't understand where like, this reminds me of like the turning on Anne Hathaway in 2012 where it's like, we've got a good thing here. Let's not fumble the ball. Like Ryan Gosling is great. We love him. We decided on that a long time ago. We don't need to get subversive here and decide, oh, well, have we apex on our love for him, so therefore it should flip and we should hate him? No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Ryan Gosling is Ken. I didn't know this conversation was happening. And to anybody having it, I say, grow up. (laughs) Grow up. Get a life. Okay. What are people going to post on your your big skiing uh, <laughs> posts today? Um, oh, you okay? So I'll make that. For, you will make that for the episode. Well, right, why so don't? Uh, well, I don't know what you want to do, but like we can talk offline about what the post looks like. But I gotta we'll, say, I don't. Yeah, want but us let's to do be, it for the episode. Okay, yeah, but I was just gonna say, I don't want us to be like the Instagram account that like posts the m- mo- moment with Carolyn at the booth. Like, I feel like. We just can't be like so obvious and like the still. Not that we have been. I'm not. No, 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 Sean. I'm not saying that like as we have been. I'm just saying like I feel like Survivor's making an effort to like give us memes, and it's like yeah. I want to. I want to reject that. And I know we did it a no. little bit with like the Carolyn reaction shots, which I think fine. But like, well, I think some we... things transcend the, the drop your buffs aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know. So there's not a Barbie emoji yet, but is anything coming to mind for you? Uh, what about the rollerblades? Are there rollerblades? Oh my god. Oh, there are, but okay, oh, okay. There are, but they don't come up when you search rollerblades. So you'll have to go to the sports section. They are aqua, they're cerulean rollerblades with pink wheels. Oh yeah, I can picture those. I wonder what they call them. Roller skates, maybe? I don't know. They're very Ken-coded. Yeah, you need... If you type in roller, it comes up. Not for me. I must be Canadian. Roller. Oh, my God. We're holding up our phone. Oh, and you got the roller... And the roller coaster. roller coaster. I think your thing's just broken. Ay, ay, ay. You're typing Which... it into the... Uh, if you... Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. What? What? You can actually search the emojis instead of just typing it into the chat box. Well, I know, but it still comes up when you search in the emoji. But I'll, okay, I'll do that. Hold on. I know, but it'll 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 start recommending. Okay, you're right. 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 Okay. You're always right. Uh, okay, so that's what <laughs> has we'll there do. ever been? Wait, <laughs> has there ever been a time where I've been right and you've been wrong? I'm being serious. Yeah, there has. There has. I can't remember what it was, but you made a really big deal of it. Oh, okay. You're like, here's me teaching you something about technology. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you made a big deal about it. You made like a really big deal. Yeah, about it. but it I keeps get so, me up at night. I get so few. You know what I mean? I know, I know. I take, I take them. Um, <laughs> okay. Can 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 we just like mention? Okay, well, whatever. I feel like the survivor conversation is done, but I just want to point out that Carolyn voted for Kane. Carolyn was the one stray vote for Kane, where everybody else was in this plan on Pylon Josh contingency three vote contingency on jam jam i don't know why carolyn voted for kane i'm happy to hear theories um but yeah just wanted to point that out because it seems like an important potential strategic misfire by carolyn at the Mm -hmm. merge and why she wasn't pulled into the plan i don't understand uh maybe she just wasn't updated before tribal uh, but that's a little concerning for Carolyn. But she was distracted. She saw the mace. She was reminded of her childhood. Can, Can I say? you blame her? Okay. Is there anything else? Speaking um, of the White Lotus, 
did anybody see that Parvati went to visit with Mike White, Angelina Keeley, Kara Kay, and Jennifer Coolidge last week? Wonder what happened there. I wonder too. I wish you could like actually have boots on the ground to find out because I feel like that would be I don't know I just like want to know every detail of that yeah, experience me too well Gosh. you never know you never know okay <laughs> okay so is that all we have to say that's all we have to say for now okay all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Drop Buffs Pod, I think. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. We are going to be starting our Panama rewatch, Evan. We've got to decide when to watch episode one of that. Uh, let's do the let's do the premiere and then we'll start grouping them like similar to how we did uh, in Borneo. Very excited to get into that. Hey, if you're Canadian, Crave is putting all international versions of the traders up this friday so we're finally catching up to the states and you know what i'm gonna watch australia oh by the way thank you everybody for writing we got so many new reviews and only one of them was bad uh very glowing reviews what was the bad one it's an unbearable and then three emojis of the guy with the his hand in his face Like, you didn't even bother elaborating. Just unbearable. Which, like, yeah, we are. I was going to (laughs) say. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. (laughs) So thank you for all the reviews. You can keep them coming, by all means. Uh, Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.